right now, at this very moment, as I speak, multiplied millions of people around the world are caught up in what the Word of God calls the great falling away or great apostasy. You and I are living in it right now. The collective church and myriad purporting quote-unquote Christians desperately need to be shaken out of its, their, spiritual slumber to the irrefutable reality that we are right now in the very midst of the greatest time of apostasy and falling away from the true God and His truth in human history. Doctrinal deviation, degeneration, and denigration is a perilous path leading not to genuine unity of the Spirit as posited by its propagators, but rather disunity with the Holy Spirit. It leads to apostasy, perdition, and ultimately hell itself. Stay tuned as I begin to unpack, with the help of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, the real truth about the perilous path of doctrinal deviation. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, An hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Friends, the subject of today's program is one of the most serious and somber topics we could possibly address. Right now, at this very moment, as I speak, multiplied millions of people around the world are caught up in what Jesus himself, along with the New Testament writers, prophesied and predicted would be a great falling away or apostasy. The collective church and myriad individual purporting quote-unquote Christians desperately need to be shaken out of its, their, spiritual lethargy and slumber to the reality that we are right now in the very midst of the greatest time of apostasy and falling away in human history from the genuine faith elucidated in the Bible. While the collective church experienced what theologians and church historians have identified as a massive corporate falling away or apostasy during what is known as the Dark Ages, and that certainly was true, nevertheless, the Word of God categorically identifies a great falling away 
or great apostasy that will transpire in the very last days just prior to the catching up or rapture of the genuine church Jesus is building, which event shall be followed immediately by the revelation and activation, if you will, of the ultimate Antichrist, who will be the devil incarnate and who will orchestrate apocalyptic destructions upon the earth and, quote, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God, end quote. 2 Thessalonians 2, 4. The revelation or unveiling of the Antichrist has not yet occurred, but it certainly is only moments away on the clock of end times events. The Apostle Paul prophesied of this great falling away or apostasy in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 in his prophetic delineation of the last day's events, wherein referring to, quote, the day of the Lord, end quote, which is the day of the judgment of Christ upon the unbelieving world, he stated, quote, let no one in any way deceive you, for it, that is, the day of the Lord, will not come unless, or until, the apostasy, NASB, or falling away, it says in the King James Version, comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, meaning the Antichrist, end quote. So he is saying that the great apostasy will precede the revelation of the ultimate Antichrist, who has not yet, in this hour in which we are living, been revealed as the Antichrist, though the man who will one day assume that role as the devil himself comes to possess him is almost certainly alive at this very moment here as I speak. Millions of those claiming to be Christians in America and other nations around the world are really nothing but what could be called senos, Christians in name only. They claim to be worshipers and followers of Jesus, but the quote-unquote Jesus they are worshiping and following is not the Jesus of the Bible, the genuine Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God and God the Son, the second member of the Godhead, but rather a counterfeit, a religious idol, that is in reality a demon named Jesus, masquerading as the genuine Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 8, 4, the Apostle Paul said, quote, We know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, end quote, but rather what is behind idols or false objects of worship and veneration is really demons. There is a demonic power and perhaps a principality that is being worshipped by multitudes today throughout the world that is not 
the real Jesus Christ, who was the Word of God made flesh, God in the flesh, born of the Virgin Mary, who cast aside his deity in order to take on the appearance of a man, as the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 2.8, and humbled himself even under the point of death, even death on a cross, who miraculously arose from the dead and who ascended into heaven on the day of the ascension from the Mount of Ascension, which moment Luke described thusly, quote, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight, end quote, Acts 1.9, and subsequently sat down at the right hand of God, reclaiming his throne of dominion and sovereignty. Jesus prophesied, an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshiper. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the Word of God to the world, the Real Truth Radio Network at realtruthradio.com. Listen to what Isaiah the prophet said. But this is a people plundered and despoiled. All of them are trapped in caves or hidden away in prisons. They have become a prey with none to deliver them, and a spoil with none to say, give them back. Or in the King James Version, it says, none says restore. None says restore. On October 31, 1517, in Wittenberg, Germany, an obscure Augustinian priest by the name of Martin Luther, began to say, Restore, as he nailed his 95 theses to the door of Castle Church, sparking what became known as the Protestant Reformation. In Acts 3.21, the Apostle Peter prophesied concerning that, quote, period of restoration, end quote, saying that, quote, Heaven must retain, literally the Greek says, heaven must retain the Christ until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time, end quote, has been completed and fulfilled. The Protestant Reformation was the beginning of that restorational period that continues yet today, 500 years later. Less than 300 years following the birth of the church and the inception of the church age, 
the church had devolved into a period of spiritual darkness known as the Dark Ages that spanned 1,200 long years, fulfilling the Apostle Paul's prophecy concerning a corporate great apostasy. Quote, But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, by means of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. End quote. 1 Timothy 4, 1. This was the great apostasy for the corporate church concerning which the Apostle Paul prophesied. During this age of spiritual darkness, the truth was subverted by humanistic ideologies and vain philosophies of men. Colossians 2.8 The doctrines of demons of which Paul forewarned. Many of the foundational doctrines of the church were distorted, perverted, diluted, invalidated, or totally abandoned. The fivefold ministry offices, as well as the apostolic prophetic governmental foundation of the church, upon which it was originally established, Ephesians 2.20, were abrogated and replaced with an ecclesiastical hierarchy as elite clergymen began to be driven more and more by what Augustine called, in Latin, libido dominandi, lust for rule or power. Indeed, the greatest single factor contributing to the spiritual debacle of the Dark Ages was the drift, following the death of the original apostles of the Lamb, from the apostolic moorings upon which the church was founded. In Acts 2.43, Luke wrote of the early church, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many signs and wonders were taking place through the apostles. That is what the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, had intended to take place in the ecclesia, or church, that he said in Matthew 16:18, he was building, against which the gates or power of hell, or Satan's kingdom, would not be able to prevail. And thank God that that is the ultimate outcome we can rest our faith and hope upon concerning the true, genuine church that Jesus is building. The power of hell shall not be able to overcome it ultimately. Nevertheless, the Apostle Paul, whose revelations concerning the truths of the kingdom of God comprise two-thirds of the New Testament, as quoted earlier, stated categorically as a prophetic warning to the end times church of which we believers who are living right now in 2018 are a part. Quote, but the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the 
faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. End quote. 1 Timothy 4, 1. Are you enjoying this podcast? Would you take just a minute to think about all the precious resources it takes to produce and make available a resource such as this? Time, talent, thinking, planning, preparing, studying, writing, editing, organizing, recording, audio editing, a multiplicity of post-production and publishing tasks, and on and on it goes. The big professional news and media companies employ 10 to 20 people to produce a presentation such as this podcast at a cost of hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you enjoy the program, would you be so kind as to take a minute and pray to ask God if He would have you lend a helping hand our way in the form of financial support? In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash slminc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash S-L-M-I-N-C to make a donation of any amount. Your gifts would be so greatly appreciated and used for the glory of God in the production of this program. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you abundantly for your generosity and graciousness. Now I want to turn to the many biblical warnings against doctrinal deviation. The New Testament is replete with warnings that such corruption of the Word of God would take place, especially in the last days in which we now live. One of the foremost such passages is the Apostle Paul's admonition in his letter to his young protege Timothy 
And this is from 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. And it says, But the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, end quote. The irony within this text is that it indicates bona fide believers, bona fide believers, will fall into apostasy because they are paying attention. But what they're paying attention to is deceiving evil spirits. And they will be paying attention to false doctrines concocted and promulgated by demons. These doctrines have not been inspired by the Holy Spirit, but rather by demons. And it says that these doctrines of demons will be promulgated in this day in which degradation and devaluation of doctrine is rampant. It is rampant in this last hour in which we live. The Apostle Paul even urged his son in the Lord, whom he had personally mentored, Timothy, to remain on in Ephesus following his own departure for Macedonia. Specifically, he said, quote, in order that he, Timothy, may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor pay attention to myths, that is, non-biblical teachings, because some men straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussions, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. That's 1 Timothy 1, 3-7. And then the writer of Hebrews trumpets forth a similar admonition against being caught up in and enticed by unbiblical teachings or strange doctrines. It says in Hebrews 13, 9, Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings. You know, teaching is what doctrine is. Doctrine is teaching. Doctrine is simply made up of the teachings of the Word of God. Now, just as Paul urged Timothy to stay in Ephesus for the express purpose of instructing, quote, certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor pay attention to scripturally unfounded teaching, so also did the apostle charge Titus to remain on the Isle of Crete to what he called set in order what remained by in every Cretan city in which a work had begun, appointing as overseeing elders men who were, quote, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, the teaching, the doctrine, that he may be able both to exhort in sound doctrine 
and to refute those who contradict, who contradict the sound doctrine, that is. End quote. Indeed, the full text of Paul's charge to Titus is rich with reference to the imperativeness that ministering elders establish believers in sound doctrine, both by teaching correct doctrine and by correcting contradictory doctrines as well. I'm going to read from Titus 1, 5 through 14. The Apostle Paul says to Titus, For this reason, for this reason, I left you in Crete. Paul said he had a reason for leaving Titus in Crete, that you might set in order what remains. Set in order what remains. And appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely, if any man be, and it goes on to say, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching. The Bible talks about the teaching. It talks about the teaching of the apostles, the teaching, that he may be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. He's talking about instruction with regard to appointing elders, and that the elders that he appoints must be, first of all, men, elders are to be men, that hold fast to the faithful word of God, which is in accordance with the teaching, the teaching, that he may be able to exhort in sound doctrine, and that he might be able to refute those who contradict sound doctrine. That is the role and the calling of God upon every true elder in the body of Christ. And the reason that he said that Titus must do this is, it goes on to say, for there are many rebellious men, empty talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. So he's saying here many things. One, that the people who teach these kinds of strange doctrines that are not sound doctrine, that are not according to the word of God, Paul, the apostle, says that they are rebellious men. They are empty talkers and that they are deceivers. And they are teaching things they should not teach. And that when they teach these things that they should not teach, they are upsetting whole families. And for that reason, Paul said they needed to be silenced. My goodness, we have that same thing today. And there are many people that are teaching things they should not teach. And Paul said they were doing it for sordid gain. We have the same thing today. They do it for their own self-aggrandizement their own selfish reason, for sordid gain. Paul said they need to be silenced. And Paul said, for this cause, reprove them. Reprove, reprove, reprove. Correct. That is a calling from God, especially for true, genuine elders. And let me say, in some, that true elders 
are those who have a fivefold ministry calling upon their life, fivefold ministry anointing upon their life. They are called by God, and they have an anointing from God. He says they must be reproved. If they must be reproved, somebody's got to reprove them. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.